What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if it's your first time tuning in and you're listening to hear our interview with Guapdad4000, you're going to fast forward a little bit until you hear a beat, and that's when the interview is going to start. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much. I'm going to talk about a continuation of a story from last week. So last week I was talking about how my house became a fucking zoo and we got overran with ants and gnats in the fucking houseplants and worst of all, mice in the kitchen. And let me tell you, it got crazier. So about a week ago on Saturday, my wife saw a mouse in the kitchen, screamed. I came in, managed to see its tail as it crawled up into a fucking hole in the kitchen, and it was disgusting. And I've never had mice at a house before. It felt gross, particularly to have them in the kitchen. And there was all kinds of emotions. I felt guilt, like, oh, are we not clean enough? Is that why we have mice? I felt ashamed, like, oh, are we not clean enough? And that's why we have mice. I felt uh, sick. Like, I was like, oh, gross, like... Uh, Am I going to, like, catch the fucking plague or something? Like, it was just, man, it was just really stressful. So then we started seeing them every fucking night. After she saw them, later that day, I went and got a bunch of traps. I I went to the grocery store, did my grocery shopping, and on the way, I looked in the section where they have all the raid and stuff like that. And they had traditional traps and they had had glue traps and now this is a trigger warning if you're like a PETA person you might want to fast forward past all this just a fair warning I did not get the traditional snap traps because when you lay those out you have to put some sort of bait on them and they suggest putting peanut butter and my dog Cooper fucking loves peanut butter so I'm like you know what I'm not gonna set this trap on the kitchen floor and then have the dog go in there and lick it and end up snapping his fucking tongue. So I got some glue traps and I got the glue traps because I figured, you know, we can, I've been seeing these fools run around and I like kind of know their path at this point because basically after we saw the first one, every time it was dark after that, you could see them running around and uh, in the kitchen. Like, it, it was a war zone. My dog was scared to go in the kitchen. I was like, do I need to replace you with a goddamn... Do I need to replace you with a cat? Like, he was all of a sudden just terrified to even enter the kitchen. We had to start we had to start feeding him with... Um, or out in the living room and putting his water bowl in the bedroom, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it was just funny. I'm like... The, he's like a, a bully everywhere else. He bullies other dogs. I have to, like, keep him away from puppies and all this shit. And then he sees a mouse and he's like... Oh, So I bust out the glue traps and I put one sort of behind our dryer right between where our back door is. And I left the back door open so that there would just be this one little inch of leeway where they could get around that way. And I put the trap like as a you're not getting past this as a barricade. And I put one on top of the refrigerator that had been thoroughly cleaned because we found some mouse droppings on top of the refrigerator. And then I put one back in the corner, back behind the dryer where we saw a bunch of droppings. And and then I put one like way back deep in a cabinet that we barely ever opened because we had saw some droppings back there. So not more than like a half an hour after I lay the traps down, we hear a fucking... 
shit. And I go, oh, fuck. We caught one. And I was working on something or another. Actually, I th- I'm pretty sure I was like just sending Ben the intro for last week's podcast. And, and um, so I go in to the kitchen and I see, before I see anything else, I just see a tail from behind the washer and I put on shoes before I went in there because I didn't want like to get ganged up on by a bunch of mice have them running on my bare feet or anything and uh, I open that back door and that barricade trap that I had set up it worked and (laughs) there was a fucking mouse caught in the glue trap looking up at me and my first emotion was sadness I felt sad that we were, that I knew I was going to have to like humanely and quickly try to kill this animal. And then I felt violated because I'm like, you are one of the motherfuckers that's been in here eating my shit and shitting everywhere. But the anger was definitely a secondary emotion to the sadness of like, oh, fucking poor mouse. And I'm texting with my mom the whole time. She's going, she's basically going like, no, fuck those mice. Not in that, not in those exact terms, but that was her basic sentiment. I listened to this other podcast called Oh Yeah Dude. Shout out to Oh Yeah Dude. And one of the hosts told a story about using a glue trap to catch a mice, a mouse many years ago. And he talked about wanting to put it out of its misery humanely. And he tried to drown it and hilarity, not hilarity, but like a funny story ensued, but it was also like very bad to try and drown the mouse essentially. Like it's not a humane way to do it uh, is what it amounts to. And I knew that. So what, uh, I was going to do instead was I have a, a baseball bat and I was going to like quickly and, and, as quickly as I could just put it out of its misery by crushing it with a baseball bat. And that sounds miserable, but it was the quick, it was, there was a fucking live mouse on a, on a trap and that's all I could think of. And so I uh, grabbed a mitten and put a mitten on my hand and I grabbed an old wash rag and I grabbed a freezer bag, like a big ass freezer bag. And I threw the old wash rag on top of the mouse And it fucking shrieked, and it felt so miserable to hear it shriek. And then I put the uh, freezer bag over top of my mitten inside out, and I picked it up, and I picked up the fucking mouse that was stuck to the glue trap like it was a pile of dog poop or something. And then I zip and I and I reversed the bag and zip locked it, and then I took it outside and I lifted the bat about three or four inches off the ground and just smashed it. And that was my first experience catching a mouse. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it was terrible. But here's the thing is that right after I caught that one, put another trap there, and within about an hour, we hear the same thing. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, we caught another one already. And I'm going to have to do the same shit. But we go in there, and I don't see a tail this time. And the trap is gone when we open the door and there's no mouse. So this fucking mouse got stuck in the glue trap and then drug itself somewhere and probably, you know, I don't know. It must've died somewhere, but I don't know where we lifted up the washer. Couldn't find it. We lifted up the dryer. Couldn't find it. There's no way it would have been able to climb up that hole. So I have no idea. You know, this whole time as I'm trying to like battle these mice on my own, I've been in contact with the pest control people going like, Hey man, we really need you guys to come back over. We really need you guys to come back over. Like, please come help us. We're being inundated with fucking mice because mind you, after we lost the one that, that uh, hit the trap, 
I saw another two, one run from out behind my shoes and then one run from under the fridge to under the dryer and up that hole. And they're both fighting to get in that hole as fast as they could. So like there were a shitload of fucking mice. And I think it's just because of the heat and, and because like we had pest control over to seal off all the exits. And so I think they were like living in the walls and then decided like, Oh, we can no longer get outside anymore. So we're going to have to go into the fucking house and be daring. And it was, it was a very stressful couple of days because the pest control guys didn't come over until fucking Wednesday. And so that was a Sunday night or that must've been a Monday night where I, where I trapped them. Yeah. I think that was Monday. I'm getting my dates mixed up. It's fine. And so then Tuesday night, it was the same thing, had the traps laid out and didn't catch anymore, but uh, would still hear them kind of like being mischievous in the house. And by this point, you know, we're sleeping with our doors closed with uh, in the bedroom with towels laid under the doors so that they couldn't get just I don't think they would have ventured into the bedroom, but there's no fucking way that I want a mouse crawling on me at night. So anyway, finally, the pest control guys come, we tell them the story, we show them everything and I tell them the story I just told you, and they're like, oh, shit, you're like one of us now. <laughs> and uh, the one thing that I can say about, like, killing the mouse with a melee weapon was that one of the thoughts that went through my head was like, oh, I feel like I would have no problem killing a zombie now. So there's that. The pest control guys basically say, like, they go and check all the traps that they had laid a month prior. And they're like, you know what? All of these traps went off, but didn't catch any mice. So these, I don't know. So we're going to reset the traps. We're going to rock around the perimeter one more time, make sure everything's sealed. And then basically, since you know where they're coming out of, what we're going to do is seal off that hole with some wire mesh that they won't be able to chew through because we had been trying to put stuff up there to keep them up there. And they just kept pushing it out. And so we're going to screw in some wire mesh to this hole. But before we do that, we're going to put a bunch of mouse poison up there. And that is essentially food for them that they're going to take back to whoever is else is up in the walls with them. And essentially, it's going to eradicate your mouse problem. You know, the problem with that is going to be that for a couple of days after they all die, you might smell something. You might not. It'll go away after a couple of days. It just is what it is. So... That said, that was Wednesday. Today is Sunday. Haven't seen any mice since. The good news is the ants and the gnats from the house flies were so easy to get rid of. But those mice, those pesky mice, let me tell you, they're a real challenge. And so shout out to our pest control dudes. Thank you guys for for ridding us of our problem. I apologize to all the animal lovers out there for that graphic story. But... This is what we do. This is what we do on Kind of Neat. We talk that talk about uh, keeping our houses rid of rodents. Anyway, our guest today, Guapdad4000. You guys probably know who he is. Met him a few weeks ago and told him and, and one of his managers about the show, and they were kind enough to oblige and come through. You know, can't talk highly enough about the dude. He's very charismatic. He's very charming. He's just a real mensch. This podcast probably ran long as fuck, and that's because... Honestly, we probably could have talked for another hour or two because he's just that type of dude. And I'm that type of listener where if you get to talking, I'm just going to keep asking questions and bullshitting. So, yeah, he's just put out a new song called Home of the Brave. He put out a song a couple weeks ago, The Little Scammer That Could with Denzel Curry. He has been super active during the coronavirus stuff as far as 
staying and pushing out content. Uh, you can go to his YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash guapdad4000, and peep his whole series of Rona raps where he has guests from all over the rap spectrum rapping with him during the uh, corona shutdown. I think his stock has done nothing but rise since the world's been shut down, and I think, uh, you know, just with the type of individual that he is, this is just the beginning. He's already huge, but this is, like, just the beginning. I think he's going to be, like, he's going to be a king for a long time. (laughs) Anyway, enough smoke getting blown. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Guapdad4000. Yo, thank you for coming through, bro. Yeah. I appreciate it. No problem. Where are you coming from? Uh, I was just in a session. Yeah, you're f- fucking working during the Rona shutdown. Yeah, I never stopped. You're getting a whole lot done while a lot of people are, <laughs> are kind of like f- trying to figure out what to do. It seems like your stock has managed to rise in the last couple months yeah. just with everything you've been working on. For sure, like definitely. What is your schedule like? How are you staying so busy? Um, I just do a lot of recording. And, like, the the thing about recording, like, this, my studio space is an open space, so it always rolls over into me, like, randomly linking with another artist or, like, I'll go there to work on cover arts with with my little brother Cole, who, like, does all my graphics with me. And uh, it, it just always rolls into something. As soon as I leave the house, I'll get a text from Buddy and be like, Bro, I'm with Anderson Pack. Come over here. Yeah. Or Thundercat will call me and be like, Yeah, I'm just playing bass at the crib, bro. Come, let's watch anime and go over riffs. Right. So, like, it's literally just leaving the house to work. Just, it just opens the floodgates. Yeah, ideas beget other ideas. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a dumb. snowball. You're supposed to be on tour with Thundercat right now, right? That got late. That yeah. got put off. Yeah, I think. At this point, Jack Harlow tour would have started, I think. Oh, so already one came and went, and another one would have been mm-hmm. going on, huh? Yeah. Uh, how'd you and Thundercat meet? Uh, we met on... We met... Uh, I got a song with Buddy. It's yeah. Buddy's song on, on the Harlan and Alondra uh, uh, deluxe album called... Uh, deluxe version called Link Up. And one day... I was getting everybody like, oh, man, let's all rap. Let's all rap. And it was uh, just me and Buddy. And then Jib was like, man, pull up to my Airbnb. We, y'all could come rap over here. So then it was a, it was Jib's calling where we rapping. And all of a sudden, like, his studio equipment started fucking up. We couldn't rap over there. And all these people were at Jib's house. So Buddy found a studio. And then we all went to the studio. Then when we pulled up to the studio... Thundercat and Flying Lotus were in there, and uh, and Ari Lennox. Oh wow! Yeah, Boz Metastare. Listen so, to this star-studded no. ass story. God damn! <laughs> and the song exists. There is a song with all of us out there. Wow. This is before the Dreamville shit. Wow. Yeah. It's funny to me to hear all these names because almost everybody that you mentioned has been sitting right where you're sitting before at some point. And so I'm glad that I'm finally getting you in that chair. Yeah. You know, because we was on hiatus for like two years, but you're somebody who two years ago, three years ago, I would have been reaching out to have on the show. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that you took the time now. Yeah, you seem like somebody that just 
knows everybody. Are you like a spoon that stirs the pot? Has that always been how you were socially? Yeah, just pretty much. I like, I really like attention. Really? Yeah, I really like attention. I got no problem with like stealing the room, you know? Yeah. So luckily I I try to do it in, in more of a, uh, a confident way than yeah. like a, a vain way. To, or a thirsty way or something. You know something. what I'm saying? Yeah. That rubs other people the wrong way. People, people really enjoy the energy that I try to bring. You loved attention since you were a kid or what? Yeah, forever. Really? What, forever. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's just, uh, that's just me. Like, that's my makeup. You a middle child? Uh-uh. No? I'm the oldest, you're, actually. Oh, you're the oldest? Yeah. How many brothers and sisters? I forget. Uh, Six. You're the oldest of six? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So you had a lot of responsibilities then. Oh, hell yeah. What's your closest sibling in age? How much older are you? Uh, Six years older than Chance, I think is the oldest, yeah. Oh, wow. So you were like, by the time you're 10, you're babysitting for real. Oh, yeah. Was that a lot of weight on your shoulders as a kid or what? Man, hell yeah. I, um, For me especially, because my mama, both my parents was in the streets. Yeah. And my, my, my all my little siblings, they daddies is dead. We are, my I got three siblings on, through my mom. Yeah. And all their daddies uh, are out of here. So. Yeah. And that all happened way too early in their lives right so i was playing a lot of roles i never tried to be like f the the father replacement you know what of i'm course. saying but i i did try to like have some sort of uh be a strong male role model you know what i'm saying exactly yeah, yeah wow and this is in oakland yeah that's mm -hmm. where you grew up yep do you have generations in oakland um yeah my my family on on the black side has been there since oakland was oakland yeah right yeah and uh and then your other side is my other Pinoy, side, right? Yeah, she and and they moved. I, they came here. I think. Uh, how old is my auntie? Like sixty, seventy, some odd years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. My my grandpa was on the naval base. Yeah. He's a uh, he's a merchant marine. Right. And he he went he wanted to get his uh, pocket fixed. At the sweatshop, so he went to the sweatshop right. and met my grandma. Wow. And she was working in, in her auntie's sweatshop. Brought her over. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It, it was crazy because she was telling me, like, yeah, no, I, I heard of this place that we should go. It's, people are doing great there. It's called Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the fuck he said that shit. <laughs> but I'm happy that he did, though. Yeah, yeah. The time that we met before, we were talking about that, how that, like, the military has really facilitated a lot of, like, Filipino immigration over here. Yeah. People go on TDY, come back with a wife. I grew up on an Air Force base with a ton of, like, half, half Filipino homies. Yeah. My wife is half Filipino. Yeah. And so... Like, you actually, like, are a part of Filipino culture, too. You'd be going over to the Philippines and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you been? Uh, I think about five, yeah, five, six times. That's amazing. How, how do you like it? It's amazing. I prefer to go outside of the rainy season just because humidity already be kicking a nigga ass. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, I, I say, like, anytime when it's just ultra hot. Yeah. And it don't start getting moist, I fuck with it. Because we go over to the waterfalls yeah. and do that whole thing. And it's just, it's fine. I like going to the market. I like drinking juice out of the bag. Yeah, right. I, I like roasting the pig on the fire. Like, yeah. What's it like seeing your Filipino cousins over there and shit? Are you like the American superstar? I mean, 
I haven't I haven't went since I blown up. Right, but I mean even yeah. before that, is it like, yo, this is our cousin, he's Bro, from Oakland. My it, it was like I was the I was the dark one, right? Yeah. So you already know what the most cultures like just look at the darker people. Your colorism, weird. yeah. So it would just be hella people like coming up, touching my hair and shit. Oh wow! But like when when they was fine, yeah. I let them because <laughs> I liked it that shit. And then all the ladies in like the surrounding village in the province would come and bring their daughters by and, and introduce them to my grandma because you know it's all matriarchy over there. Yeah, right. It's just feminine power in a family. Mm-hmm. So like they'd bring her to my grandma like, oh yeah, you, you, you should meet my daughter. Marry her. He touches hair. Yeah. <laughs> she, she gonna touch his hair like he gonna, they should get married so yeah. then she could go to America. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So your mom, she she makes uh, Filipino food and shit? Yeah. Ponce? Yeah. Longanisa? Ponce, Longanisa, mm. uh, Adobo, Sisig. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Tell me how Oakland looks different now than it did when you were growing up. Because I know the tech industry has, like, ravaged the Bay Area. I feel like it came in like a fucking parasite. It's ruined it. It's completely ruined it. Not completely, but, like, enough to where it's kind of depressing. Just, like, the architecture. We could start with the architecture. Like, I grew up in in a... uh, pseudo Victorian homes. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interpretation of Victorian architecture. There's curves, um, very eloquent details. You yeah, know like what beautiful multi story houses. Yeah, yeah, all of that shit. And then as soon as people started moving in for all these tech jobs, everything became so modern, so many, so much concrete, no more natural materials. Yeah. And that shit is ugly. Right. Some of them, like, they look. At first, I was like, "Man, this shit looks cool. This shit looks tight. Looks futuristic." Cause like, if when I will be in private school, and I go to my white friend's house, this is how they house look: hella modern, and glass and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But like that, like reclaimed wood look with concrete. Yeah, and, shit, and yeah. now, and now that I'm older, I'm like, man, this shit is ugly compared to what we used to have. So that's something that was immediately affecting me. On top of just like the neighborhoods changing, like. It used to, for one, kids don't play outside in, no more in general. Really? But, like, now you just don't see any kids. It's just, like, white people on bikes, uh, weird, like, coffee shops opening. Yeah. It's just hella, like, niche cafes. Is your family still up there? Uh, No, we lost a house last year. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. We lost a house last year. That's kind of the inevitable thing happening up there right now with gentrification. It's like yeah. people that are Bay Area locals, Bay Area natives with generations in the area, they're having to get pushed out, right? Yeah, it uh, it's it's it was probably one of my deepest pains to experience. Yeah. To, cause we you know, we used to all like our doors never shut. Yeah. They used to call our house the refugee camp because, like, if you ran away or, like, whatever, like, you could just come crash at my spot. Yeah, like, anybody through. was what all my niggas didn't lived in the house, yeah. at, at least at some point. Right. Um, and if they wasn't, in general, I just got a good support system with my friends. Like, they helped pay bills. Like, everybody got a strong piece of history in that house yeah. for years, for years. So, um, to have that party the last day on 10th Street, it was, uh, man, that shit told me up. Oh, it, 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 I really feel like uh, I still got some closure that I need to seek because now when I go to Oakland, I can't even drive down the street. Mm. 
I can't even look at it. It just hurts too much. It's a, really a chunk of me. Just that's just gone. The house is still there. Mm-hmm. Like if and I, I've seen the house because it's hard not to see the house driving by it. But if I sit in front of the house, and I see a white person coming out of the house, oh, I'ma just get so like. I honestly had to have a talk with myself and my people. Um, my people meaning like my family yeah. and like my immediate circle mm-hmm. because I was grown I was I started harboring so much hate for all these white people that was in the neighborhood mm-hmm. that just wasn't from there like they had joined this church and then they started making hella noise complaint it was just everything mm-hmm. started changing and I I had this like this 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 black hole mm-hmm. that had just started to just absorb everything that I thought was tight about the neighborhood, like, follow me everywhere. And I I had to really reprogram myself to, like, get that hate out of my heart and just deal with the fact that it sucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know what to say to that, man. That's is that's must be a miserable feeling to watch. And you know, one of our recent guests we had on the show is this young dude that's from Oakland named Overcast. Mm-hmm. And he's a producer, rapper, very talented dude. And he posted a video the other day of like in his neighborhood in Oakland, there was this like older white lady out there painting this mural on a building, right? Yeah. But she's painting a picture of a black woman and he just kind of pulled up on her like it, it's like and it's like some building that has displaced families it's yeah. like a big 10-story building that's only 10 years old or some shit yeah. that displaces a bunch of families and he's kind of like hey so do you live in the neighborhood she's like oh i've lived here for 10 years and he starts kind of questioning her and and yeah. and you know by the end the point of the video is like well you know as a black man from this neighborhood born and raised in this neighborhood seeing you paint this black woman while there's black people right across the street you know without a, some place to live yeah. because of people like you coming in the neighborhood. It's like a slap in the face. And that shit hit home to me. Like, God damn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that shit must be miserable to see all these, like, liberal, like, supposedly liberal-ass people wanting to help but really kind of, like, just doing this performative bullshit in Oakland. Yeah, you know? it was—I felt almost jealous. Yeah. It was crazy because I'm, I'm not an envious person. Mm-hmm. I, it takes a lot for me to, like, truly feel— uh, and jealousy is 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 one thing. Like you know, you could be jealous of your homies, rivalry, shit like that. Right, and it can be inspiring, really. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's pure envy. Yeah. That that became dark is mm-hmm. what is what I started to feel because I remember just sitting on the porch, and I was crying because we losing the house. I'm I'm like, tears flowing down my face, and I I see dudes who obviously don't ever live here. One's in a on a longboard and the other one's like oh, uh, he's holding on to his homies riding a bike and he fell off the longboard and they just had it was just a, uh, the most beautiful bro time like they were laughing it up yeah and I looked down and I was like I hate y'all yeah cause that's what we supposed to be doing here this is but our we, neighborhood we're supposed to be you know what I'm saying but yeah. like we we don't we can't I mean and and to add insult to injury, it's a fucking longboard, too. You know yeah. what I mean? Couldn't even be a regular skateboard. It's a longboard. Can't kickflip a longboard, you know what I mean? Like, fuck out of here. <laughs> Man, so that was last year? Yeah. Where'd the family have to go? Uh, My mother and sister ended up with me at my house out here. Out here? Uh-huh. That's great. So you got family, you got the unit with you. Mm-hmm. That's I good. mean, it was like that either way, because yeah. the same way, 
like that we operated and grew up on on 10th street is the same way like i do my house now so yeah. like everybody could come everybody's you welcome. know what i'm saying yeah um and that's just like literally when people was moving in and i got the house right yeah and i wanted to move in like my potential team i had just warned them like this is how i rock mm-hmm. if you are seriously uncomfortable with hella foot traffic and hella just bodies mm-hmm. then do not move into this house with me because i this is one thing i just that's how i feel as a core i will not change mm-hmm. and i literally take the blood the brunt of um the blunt end of the stick on the head if i gotta just pay for empty rooms because like niggas don't want to live in there because that's how i want to live yeah Literally, just like have extra space in case people want to come over. I I just ain't gonna tell nobody. No, that's in my immediate circle. Unless yeah. you super detrimental, like you over here tripping. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Then I'm you gonna get checked, and then you gonna get up out of there. Yeah, but I might even let a nigga come back as long as you know what I'm saying. He didn't right. break nothing. Um, you're, you're a caregiver, huh? Yeah, you you got a big heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only for like my homies, though. like yeah. my people. Right. I don't. It's it's extremely hard for me to care about. Uh, anything outside of my immediate but like when you are in, in that yeah. select few it's I'm ready to die for you how quickly do you know if somebody's gonna be in that circle do you have a gut instinct where it's like yeah this typically is as soon as I meet them really yeah 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 strong intuition yeah lit- I know if I same thing same thing with bitches like I know if I like a girl immediately right right like I swear to God it, it, I I, it, I I don't think it's something as grandiose as like love at first sight, but I know like instantly if I really fuck with her, yeah. like on the spot. Because you're like sensitive to vibes, probably. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you just pick up on somebody's like not aura, but whatever that is that yeah. that certain that uncertain. You can't put your finger on the type thing. Yeah, yeah. and then what's just that? I'm open. You yeah, should, right. There it is. So you say you've always been a attention hound. Yeah. How did that reflect itself as a kid? Man, I used to do like crazy, crazy things and like perform for the family. Yo, me too. <laughs> I, 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 like I do anything, bro. I remember yeah. I put on my grandma's silk shirt, like baby oiled up my chest <laughs> and like did a Cisco performance. <laughs> like I used to, uh, bro. I used to build hella sky high towers, like try to make um, what the fuck is it called? I, I can't. Uh, uh, what Legos? Yeah, you could use Legos in it, but it's basically like they call it a something machine, uh, and where no. things knock each other over and roll oh, into one right. Another. Like a like a uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The yeah. goal of it is to do something yes. like hella trivial. Yeah, right, right. I know what you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I can't think of the name either. But I yeah. forgot. But you I, used to build those. I used to build those. Wow. Yeah, and make them like hell all over the house. So yeah, motherfuckers should just watch. I used to love people praising me for, like, my genius, artistic ability and shit Yeah, like of course. That. So I used to try to maximize on that shit. Yeah. So you've always been a creative, and you've always been you've always been partaking in projects that show that off, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, to this day, I've always been drawing. Yeah. Um, painting on my clothes, like, designing clothes, building. I built a backpack. Yeah. Yeah. The Cisco thing reminds me of well, I was a little kid. I'm older than you, but I, I did that with, like, Crisscross when yeah. it came out. You know, that mm-hmm. jump around. I had that whole that whole album memorized, and so I made one of my friends dress up like Crisscross and do, like, a lip-syncing thing and, at a barbecue for all the all, all my family members. I look back now, 
that I was like ten. Yeah. Cringy as fuck, but like that yeah. was my shit. I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this rap shit. Yeah, like, no. Literally all of, of my probably childhood exploits are were cringy as fuck. Yeah. But they mean something though. Yeah, because I developed into Guap Dad four thousand. Right. Because of that shit. Did you excel in art in school and stuff like that? Did people did your teachers pick up on the fact that you're this very creative child? Yeah, no, yeah. instantly. It yeah. was always like I was in every art program. I was took all the AP classes. Yeah, I was gonna say are you like gate a gate kid? Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Yep. Gifted yep. in talented, yep. blah blah blah. I did all the gate programs. Right. Um I You said you ended up in a private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well how how? Like was it uh I was in so I went to a, a school chain called Kip. Okay. And Kip was um focused on getting people out of like the bad public school situations right. and into better learning establishments right. um, so we had all applied for like charter high schools and private schools uh-huh. and uh, I got accepted into a few and I chose um, the one in San Francisco just off vibe right same way like it was off vibe you went and saw a couple different schools and you're like this is the one I applied to all of them yeah Cause that's what you know they were telling us to do. Right. But I knew that was the one when I went there. It was just like I want to go here. That's dope. Um, and they and they showed me love. A, a guy named Timothy O'Shea, uh, who was on the board. Cause it's a small school, it's right. a small French, uh, immersion school. And a guy named Timothy O'Shea, I met with him at the school. We talked for a while, and he talked to my mama and said that all right, well tuition is this much a year. I'm going to cover it. That's dope. So you got yeah. a scholarship for that shit. Uh-huh. Now, in elementary school, before you're going to these private schools, was the demographic of your school in Oakland mostly black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and was s- just, it was black and it was, uh, it was black and Mexican. Okay. I mean, it was always mostly black with hella other races. Yeah, right. Like, it, there was, there was a couple Indian kids, hella Mexican kids. Right. Um, a few Puerto Ricans. El Salvadorians and they get hella mad when you call them Mexican. Right. Um, and well, and so the reason I ask that is that once you transfer over to this private school in San Francisco, does it flip on you and, and now you're in the minority? Yeah, now I'm the token black it, kid. It, oh, right. Yeah. And, and is that how you felt? Uh-huh. Yeah. I played into it. I okay. did. I, I used it to my advantage and also let some shit fly that I would never let fly now. Mm. But I just didn't know. You know what I'm saying? Certain jokes. Right. Certain words. Certain because characters. you're still at least getting that attention, even mm-hmm. if it, even if now you look back and realize it was negative attention. Exactly. Because yeah, you got I had to grow out like the class clown phase. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you just seeking attention for any sort of accolade. You it doesn't matter. Right. So yeah. So. It was crazy, too. It, it was crazy to experience because me and, like, all the other minorities in the whole school had just, like, an unwritten, unspoken bond. Like, we wouldn't fuck with each other. It's always love. Mm-hmm. Never roast them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only, like, three, four black people. That's it. Yeah. Wow. So is that, a, is that like, Five a... Five cu- at the most. Is that, like, a culture shock when you first show up there then? Um, It wasn't necessarily... It was a culture shock going to these people's houses. Oh, yeah. That's when you first started seeing all the modern architecture? Yeah, and that's when I first started seeing privilege. Oh, yeah. I never knew what it was. Like, because my my interactions with, with, like, white people my age were, um, I I got a, 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 like, uh, my cousin Kwame in San Jose. 
he fucked with hella white dudes. So uh, most of his friends was white. Mm -hmm. So it'd be me, my cousin Kwame, and my cousin Christian, who is part white, but like Mexican from San Jose, you know, Mexican, Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And, um, I would fuck with their white friends so that was my like only super interaction with white kids cause it was like one hood nigga who used to be around the corner that was a white dude and he was like killing people so he was just normal right and um everybody else would just be like oh this is just a white boy right they either go skate at the park play basketball with people who it was like Super integrated because they were from there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and when yeah. I got to San Francisco, we all from the Bay. We all talk the same. We use the same stuff, but y'all living different. Right. Y'all living different. Like, you got a chef. Yeah, because privilege in San Francisco, when your parents are in the fucking tech industry, it's like a different level of, like, it's like wealth. Nah, and I went to school with the, with, with the kids of the venture capitalists that invested <sighs> in Apple and Google. You know. He, when at the time, when I was in tenth grade, he was currently like the seventh richest man in the world. Holy shit! And he would bring for like a week people to talk to us. Like this was our fucking panel speakers was niggas like him. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, tomorrow I'm bringing a good friend of mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm oppressive because he owed me some money. Ah, how rich yeah. white guy joke. And then the next dude to come was Craig from Craigslist. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh my God, that is, that's a different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that shit was crazy. It was even crazy to see like how much money they were spending at lunch. I was hungry right. a lot of those times. And I, lucky for me, I was likable. And I did let a lot of that shit slide with people who necessarily didn't have my best interests at heart because they had bought me food if I'm right there. I was, you could finesse a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it was it's crazy. I, to this day, I love Yellow Curry. Yeah. Because uh, there was a place around the corner uh, from the school that had a student special, and it was it was like a medium-sized cup uh -huh. with white rice and yellow curry. Yeah. And any time I had $3, I would go get the student special. Yeah. And I only saved it for when I really just had $3 left. So I never looked at it like a struggle meal. My struggle meal was like pizzas and shit. Yeah, right. I really enjoyed that yellow curry, so I still tap in with yellow curry to this Indian day. Indian curry? That's you? Or Thai. 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 Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I Because the first time I ever visited San Francisco is the first time I ever had Indian food, so I always associate yeah. curry with I, the same I, I love yellow curry in general, though. Like yeah. The Thai, the Cambodian, and the Indian. I make a bomb uh, curry and rice. You know, with with fucking onions and and carrots and and peas and shit in the in, yeah. in the rice is bomb. Yeah. Anyway, I love yellow curry as well. Mm -hmm. uh, here's what I here's what I want to ask is when you are seeing these extreme levels of of wealth that like, and no one even can fathom that kind of shit. But then you're showing up there and you're like, it, it's like this opposite of of of, of your abode in in. Oakland, you know what I'm saying? But you're around these kids. Like, how do you feel? Is it a fish out of water? Do you feel like like an imposter or something? You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you cope with that? Um, I mean, it's 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 a devious feeling because it it it, it could be perceived. You you could feel like a fish out of water. For me, I adapt and I learn and I I just. Because I was genuinely friends with these people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I made lifetime bonds with some of them that I love, got love for them to this day. Yeah. Um. But you just disassociate with their lifestyle, and it make me feel uh, 
just like they won't. They, there's a certain limit to where they just can't relate. Yeah. To what I'm really coming from, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I remember there was a dude, Jeffrey, is Asian, this Chinese dude, Jeffrey Yip, and uh, we would walk down the street to just get fries for lunch. Yeah. On some broke shit, like we already got our bar tickets. That's it. Uh-huh. If we finna go get fries. And I put salt and pepper on the fries just to, like, spice them up because right. it's all I could get. Yeah. Then I come back, and it's there was this expensive-ass Chinese restaurant across the street called uh, Mandarin Mandarin Cafe or some shit like that. Yeah. Mandarin Cafe. And $16 for food in, in high school is ridiculous. That's, yeah. Motherfuckers was getting, like, triple orders from Mandarin Cafe I used Cafe to get $5 for lunch. That was it. You yeah. got to stretch it, you know? 16 yeah. that's crazy. That's almost a week. So, it like, I stopped because I almost wanted to get mad out of that same type of envy we was talking about earlier. Yeah. But I just stopped to think, like, they just don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're never realizing it. Yeah. That, like, they even probably might be conscious that, oh, no, some people can't afford what I can afford. But that don't change their habits. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're in high school. Right. Um. So it, it was uh it was weird to experience, especially when, I didn't like feeling like a show. Yeah. Like I uh, like a freak show. Like when people came, cause I made friends, and the friends that became my friends for life was there forever. But like there was people who like would come to my house and see how I'm living. And mind you, by house standards, we're definitely middle class. Yeah. Like we always sink into the lower class and just in terms of the family's net worth. Right. But, like, by house standards, like, we got a very more than decent, beautiful Victorian-style house. Yeah. Nice car in the driveway. Yeah. And my grandma's cooking, like, or my mama cooking. Right. So, like, you would never know. Right. No, but, nobody's struggling right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, but, like, I remember one night, my pops picked us up from the bar station. Yeah. My daddy was uh, selling weed at the time, so a nigga pull up, and he served him some weed while we all in the car. Yeah. And to my pops, these he's not looking at them like white kids or none of that. He just, these are my partners. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he was busting down, you know, like he would in front of my partner, my friends from Oakland. Right. Because that's how I'm talking to him, so that's how he treating them, you know? Right. And, um... It was one dude that was with us that just could never stop talking about how my daddy saw weed in front of them. And that was it. You're like, this guy's not in the squad. And I was just like, man, I'm really not feeling that. Yeah, of course. Because it was cool to bring it up once. I even thought it was tight to bring it up. Like, yeah, nah, yeah, y'all see how I'm really living. Like, respect me. Right. But then, like, all the time... That's just like the only story you got to talk about. Yeah, it, I, I just I start feeling like a, he was objectifying yeah, you. Yeah, like he, here's the hood on display. Right. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that one fucking bit. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the reason I even asked all that is because, like, you know, I come from the woods. I grew up in the woods. I, I grew up in Alaska, yeah. and we were definitely solidly middle class. And m- living in L.A. as an adult now, like, you know, you end up making some friends that didn't grow up that way, that yeah. that, that grew up as, like, you know, oh, my mom was an actor or my dad is a doctor or whatever. Yeah. And you're like— you hear them talk about their hobbies as adults, mm-hmm. and it's just so different than anything I could relate to because I'm like, oh, 
you you just get to like go sailing like you know what i'm saying like yeah. i've never been on a fucking boat in the ocean like <laughs> I, I don't know this is a different it's just such a different unrelatable type of um wealth you know and, yeah. and and even around them as i'm like oh we're we're on this equal playing field as adults it's just this there's just things where i'm like oh our experiences are so different i don't know like how to get past that shit sometimes you feel me yeah anyhow yeah. i mean i think um Wealth really takes away the color out of a person. Mm. Uh, and I mean color just by like a... Same same thing if we talk in architecture with like the curves and the paint chips and the old materials. Wealth takes that out of a person. You don't got to have a personality if you're rich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just like your house doesn't have to have any any personality if you're and rich, you, you know? you Because you lack the... The experience, the the, the tackling yeah. of of all the minor things of adversity that come with that thing that might like you being in the woods. Even if y'all was middle class and never really sunk into poverty, I don't want. I'm just mm, yeah, no. so like even if y'all never really sunk into poverty, you were still away from a certain type of lifestyle that it evolved you into interacting with the world and your environment more. Right. So you got a lot more color to you as a person who like might have just grew up in L.A. Right. And their mama been an actor and their house been nice forever. Right. And then, oh, their mama started doing bad because she couldn't get work, but she was well into, like, being 18. Right. So, like, you know. It's kind of like this theory I have that, like, uh, you know, a really handsome motherfucker can't be that funny. Because they, ne- they never had to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you got to have a little bit of ugliness to have to, like, crack a joke to get out of it. Yeah. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, to be able to uh, uh, to be able to pull that girl that's that much better looking than you, you got you to gotta learn personality. Oh, trust. You, you know should, what I'm saying? You should hear my manager talk about it because he fat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. He's just a fat white boy in Oakland, like, yeah. loving rap and hip-hop music yeah, and shit. Yeah. So he always had to Let be Let me ask you a question. Does he wear his hat like this still? Yes. Because... <laughs> I, I just turned my hat a little bit to the side because I always say there's like this one certain type of like Bay Area white dude yeah. that grew up listening to Mac Dre and doing I'm the telling you, he got that hat and on, they always, on his head like that right now. They always cock it a little side. <laughs> it be cocked to the side. Yo, and, and when you're in the when you're in like the SF airport, uh, you can like you can spot them dudes because like mm-hmm. they might be flying first class, but they still got that SF hat cocked yeah. a little to the side. You know, I'm telling you, he yeah. he got the A's hat. To the side for show, yeah, for show. That's for it's it's a it's a slight cock. He's it's not like the the full right. tilt. It's just a, but it's, it's just it's, to let everybody it's know on like, there with some flavor. Yeah, exactly. Like I yeah. I, I know some rap lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's on there with some flavor for show. <laughs> let me ask you this: you, I seen commercials you done and shit. Like you're like a legitimately good actor. You have a fantastic comedic timing. You Thank know you. what I'm saying? Were you a theater nerd in high school at all? Did you get into that? No, I mean I tried. I, I did. I performed in The Hobbit. Yeah. In the sixth grade, we like redid The Hobbit, but it was more so like part of the class than it was um, like something extracurricular that mm-hmm. I also wanted to take up. Mm-hmm. I could have taken the drama, but I was just painting. Mm-hmm. We had a tight ass art teacher. I'm trying to remember this, Mr. Ewing. Shout out, Mr. Ewing. Yeah, Mr. Ewing was hella tight. Um, he he showed us like Sumenagashi and all these Japanese styles of painting. He painted himself and was super tight with like comic book art, which was what I was a fan of at the time. Yeah, he taught me a lot about like 
spray adhesives, powder paint, like oh wow, different techniques. We got super deep into it, and he was also just a fucking nerd. So we would watch like all the basic cable, uh, uh, like sci-fi TV shows at the time. So like Buffy, oh yeah, and Angel and Charmed, yeah, and shit like that. We he would play that in just the class. Just be on the class, yeah, yeah. Why? And he also like he was Mr. Ewing was hella tight. Yeah, people like Mr. Ewing are hella important. Because, like, he played me French rap. Yo, I went uh, on a school trip when I was 16 to France and got some French rap. And that shit was fire. Yeah. It's good. They're they're good rappers. Yeah, no, that shit was tight. It was, yeah. it, like, it, it, some of that shit even sounded like it had, like, some Bay Area underground, yeah. like, bop to it. I was yeah. like, this shit is tight. Is this nigga speaking French? And we would listen to the French rap and paint. Yeah. And that was my extra thing. So I never got into acting, but I've always loved to act. And even, my, like, me and my niggas right now, if we turn on the acting switch, we'll like play out whole roles. We've yeah. done it. We've done it being broke at the house, like just all of us. Actually, you know, I interviewed Ari Lennox one time, and I talked to her about the like IG live that you and her did with each other. That mm-hmm. was basically just improv. Like you yeah. were just doing an improv session, and it went viral as fuck. But I mean, you could see you both like yes ending as though you had gone to fucking yeah. UCB and taken the classes or something but that's just natural for you yeah yeah she is amazing at that shout out Ari I just talked to her the other day she checked up on me yeah when my uh when my uncle passed and I appreciate that that's my boo I love Ari um She's also like a kindred spirit when it when it just come to that it's just natural on the spot. Like if you just wrote a random role, yeah, on a post it, she'll just pick it up. Yeah, yeah. she she'll read it and insert that. And I feel like I do the same. Yeah, and that's what it was. Like we used to before I was even drinking. Yeah, we'd be at the house just turned up, you know, have hoes over. Then niggas be a girl be like, because we've always been curious. Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. What's your goals? And right. Uh, bitch might say she want to be an actor or something. So we'd be like, all right, well, let's do this. Uh, you sitting in the car and uh, your brother comes, knocks on the window and tells you that your auntie just died. Uh, Go. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that That's like a dark turn. I we, we do super intense yeah. ones to try to throw people yeah, off. So you're that, like, oh, we're going to see if you can fake cry right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Um, that's very that's very creative, man. You know? Yeah. You still paint? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of shit do you paint now? I just moved into just only painting myself. Oh, you just do self-portraits? Mm-hmm. That's all, really. I have hundreds. Really? Um, I, I dare to even say, like, I'm close to in the thousands, low thousands. And do you have one particular style that you continue on that just evolves, or do you try to do them in all different styles? Yeah, I just try to do them in whatever I feel like doing. I'm yeah. not—I haven't sat down to perfect a medium or a style enough yeah. for me to feel comfortable saying this is my style of art, you right, know? Right, right. Because it's just like rap for me. I'm just always getting better. Yeah. So I just keep learning. I haven't, and also it's not my full-time profession, so I can't, like, devote the time that I would want to to, like, really master something. Yeah. Yeah. You ever uh, looked into any of those Van Gogh self-portraits? Mm-hmm. That shit's crazy. Like, one of the most moving paintings i ever seen in real life was this Van Gogh portrait because in the description it had a letter that he wrote. It Like, he he did the painting while he was in, like, a mental institution mm-hmm. and was writing to one of his, like, cousins or something. He's like, hey, look at me in this painting. Like, my eyes look normal again. I think I'm getting healthy. And it's like, this fool was just...
just like twisted yeah. and, and and he would try to paint himself to judge how far gone he was into his mental episodes you know yeah. that's so wild to me anyway yeah no i learned a lot from van gogh's style yeah. because as i come from drawing cartoons yeah and just I started off tracing shit. So I would trace anime and then start drawing anime. I, I went to, you know, Barnes and Nobles, stole like the How to Draw Cartoon books by Stan Lee, yeah. Jack Kirby, and, and shit like that. And I would be doing comic art. And all that involves black is everything because it's like it starts off black and then it gets colored. Right. So everything is based on black. And I realized studying Van Gogh that nothing's based on black because right, black doesn't no lines. appear yeah. in that. Right. So he just paints with the natural color of things yeah. in his own style. But like, if you look at me, the only thing, honestly, black is this chord. Yeah. It doesn't even pop up outside of this smiley face. Yeah. Like even the darker things on his shirt, like that's green. Yeah. It's just darker shades right. of that. Yeah. So um, that that's what I learned. From Van Gogh, I, I appreciate him and his crazy ass. Hey, that's a good that's a good answer about Van Gogh, man. <laughs> uh, when do you start making music? Um, I made my first song, uh, like that was uh, cognitive. Yeah, in the sixth grade. Wow, that long ago. Mm -hmm. Recorded it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my theater teacher. Yeah. Was uh his name's Mr. Quavos. Yeah. Mr. Quavos was a rapper. Oh, he wow. he also rapped and like broke and break dance and fucked with like he had like a little hip hop group of some like backpack ass niggas. Yeah. And they would pull up and like rap with us. That's dope. Like uh, you could learn how to scratch on the turntables. Yeah. Learn how to do b boy shit. Fucking with Mr. Quavos and his partners. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they gave us the opportunity to, like, sit down and record some shit, and we did. And that was, like, my first time sitting down and, like, being conscious of, like, I'm writing a rap. Uh, do you remember what you rapped about? Hell no, I don't remember. I mean, you don't got to do the bars, but I was just wondering if you had a theme. No, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I would then, uh, in the seventh grade, like, do the talent show. I rapped at my talent show. Yep. I was so, oh, I was so nervous. I can't remember. You had stage fright? What happened in the crowd. I was just nervous to, like, get it off. Yeah. Um, And I just zoned in on this girl who I, like, always had a crush on because she was just hella fine from West Oakland. Yeah. Uh, I zoned in on her, and then when I was done, she was clapping, and, and my and homie was, was clapping. Right yeah, it was tight. It was good. I got a lot of love for it. You did an original song? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's tight. I just went up there and rapped. Like, I ain't had no beat or nothing. Yeah. It was like seventh grade, so it's not like niggas had instrumentals on deck. So you're you know? up there doing spoken word poetry, down basically. There. Like, yeah, yeah. Basically, that's tight. Um, Did you win? No, 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 no. That's all right. I don't. I I think, I think my 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 sister, only other Filipino family in the neighborhood, Crystal. I think Crystal won that year. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, Captain in the hood, you know. For me, it wasn't about winning. Yeah, I just wanted to get go up there and go stupid and get that get yeah. that attention, and get that get attention. that and get that energy. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I wanted to be like I looked at people who were signing up for the talent show as people that uh, that I wanted to be a part of uh, a day what they had going on. Like right, same re same way people look at artists and be like, man, I want to be that. That's how I looked at it. So I, that's I was just trying to get my participation written basically. Well, um. 
when you mentioned a second ago that you used to put people on the spot and be like, oh, you want to be an actress, yeah. Let, let's act. Mm-hmm. When people used to ask you, what do you want to do, what would you tell them? Um, before, when I was super young, I wanted to be a scientist. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize the type of scientist I wanted to be was an engineer. Mm. Um, and then that moved on to me wanting to, I thought I wanted to be a painter. I thought art was my thing, like I want to be an artist. And then I started doing music, like, 10th grade, seriously. And I was like, damn, I think I want to be a rapper. Okay, so yeah, so then it was, like, already established when you was in high school, like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and so learning that about yourself by the time you're in 10th grade, does that— uh forego college plans like while everyone else is going like oh i'm gonna go to this university or that university are you kind of like man i'm about to get my shit cracking it it wasn't like that it was it was just a thought yeah like i could see myself being a rapper put no thought put no effort other than just like you know rapping with my homies right like because we had started a group and the group got so popular we we had blown up in the town just our name before we even had a song. We oh, were no just shit. like popular dudes yeah, who like yeah. fucked hella bitches. Okay. So that's what we got known for. So you already had the clout. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had started getting internet famous and shit like directly after high school and in my last in my senior year. Yeah, I was gonna say I, my first impression of you, I think when I first start hearing the name Guap Dad Four Thousand, is more of like an internet funny guy. Yeah, is that accurate? It's always been that way because just I'm hella funny. Yeah, and I'm so charismatic that people are drawn to that. You most times, most times I would clown somebody for saying that, but it's very accurate when you say that. You're a very charismatic dude for sure. So, yeah. I, you, yeah, you damn right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, would, I would, like we and my friends aren't. Too far. Like, we definitely cut from the same cloth. Right. So it's a group of me. Yeah. We're killing pussy. Unstoppable. Killing it. Right. And, like, I'm fashion forward. Yeah. When I do some stuff, like... People start biting. It's gay, but then as soon as somebody else bite me, it's like, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. That's that's what's, like, my whole... Right. Growing up. Trendsetter, early adopter. Exactly. Yeah. I'm... And now, that that rolled over into my career to where, like, I'm the one that... I'm the tastemaker that the tastemaker's still from. So right. that shit always worked, but it, it was it, I, it was a lot of up and down years because I started, like we started rapping, fell off, just in terms of like what we wanted to do as a group because life started hitting people. Of course. We just graduated, you know what I'm saying, adulthood. People started maybe accidentally having kids or they get jobs or they go to school, yeah, it was whatever, just life. all that shit. Yeah. It was just life. And, yeah. um I started trapping, I'm scamming, I'm doing all of this shit, I'm, yeah. I'm on the road, I'm being really legal, uh-huh. and I'm like, I don't know what, it's, what I want to do, like, I didn't, I already started making beats, because as a group, I was tired of buying shit off SoundClick. Of course. Um, wow, SoundClick, yeah, shout out, old school. It, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just tired of all of that shit, so I'm like, uh, man, the group's not working, my beats... I like at a at a standstill right now. I put my last couple hundred dollars into a music video, like it did a couple thousand views. Whoop de fucking do. I'm finna get this paper. So you, I was really focused on that until I started losing aforementioned paper, mm. and was, that's when I really made the call. And I would call Sam, who's my manager now. Mm-hmm. Because I met him before on previous L.A. excursions. I would come down with my brother. We would hit 
Apple stores and mm-hmm. AT&T, you know, mm-hmm. through the phone thing. Mm-hmm. And he told me this game plan that he had for this white boy, Young Pinch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who Young Pinch is. And he, when I met Pinch, he had, like, a, a a black wife beater on tucked into, like, his jean shorts with an LRG belt. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this nigga swag is lame. He don't got an ounce of drip on him. But he went in the booth, and they was playing me music, and it was amazing. Like, super talented dude. Yeah, real melodic young dude. Like, yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, man, that's tight. And then I'm, with that in mind, me, fast forward two years later, trapping, crying, taking losses, like going through a big depression that was ensued from like a breakup. My mom went to jail. My grandma got uh, breast cancer. Uh. My daddy in jail too. And I got my little brother and my little sister. All my niggas in the house. It's getting kind of hectic. Like, And you're kind of caring for everybody at that point? Exactly. Everybody. Um, and so, so I, yeah, so you're trying to do what you can to make money to, to take care of everybody because now exactly. the people that take care of you are no I longer there. I definitely was trapping out of necessity. I, yeah. I, I personally stopped myself from doing it for so many years just because like, my parents told me that they was doing it, so I didn't have to. Yeah, right. It was just the ups and downs that come with fast money. They didn't really have a stable system in which to put their money back into. You know what I'm right. saying? Yes. So, like, that shit was going fast. They was blowing it, and my parents hella young. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, they they doing all that shit. I'm going through all this shit. I'm like, fuck it, bro. I'm going to just really rap. I'm going to just give everything up. Yeah. Then I, that's when I call Sam. Tears in my eyes, everything. Down $30,000. Like, hey, I'm trying to come out there and rap, bro. I don't got no money. I don't got nothing. Yeah. I'm trying to come. And, and, and he was like, all right. I really don't believe this. This that, I, that I'm talking to the same dude that just pulled up to my studio not too long, a couple months out, with filet mignon. You niggas is ordering seven bottles of champagne to the studio, wow. just big scam shit. Like I'm yeah. eating filet mignon yeah. and twin lobster tails with Ace of Spades in the studio. Wow, we in there for five hours, only did like two songs. Yeah. Which is horrible well, by my speed. Well, you got it from Pacific Dining Cart or something. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Used to tear that. That's that's up. the yeah that's the <laughs> studio standard. Like oh, it's three in the morning. Pacific Dining Cart's open. No, but even before we did it a couple times. Pacific Dining Cart was just one of them. But like yeah. we stopped at Morton's, go oh, Lowry's yeah. for pickup. Okay. Like anybody could have yeah. got it. Yeah. Right. Especially the Chris. Okay. Especially the Chris. Um. Yeah. Ruthie's got their ass <laughs> dogged. <laughs> From the back. <laughs> truffle butter for everybody. <laughs> oh, I love truffle butter. I bet. Um, <laughs> so so you so, call up Sam yeah, and, and you're like, man, I'm I'm it's hard times right now. What's good? Yeah. Yeah. And I I wasn't asking for no money. I was just like, look, I just seen everything you told me that you was supposed to do with pinch. Worked out. It's gotten done. Like, I can yeah. see the timeline visually on his Instagram. Like, yeah. when they said they was going to do this and this type of press and just the Beach Boy shit. Yeah. I was like, all right. I get it. And I'm finna show you I get it because I... This is what, four or five years ago then? This is three years three ago. Three years ago, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I'm finna show you I get it. I spent my last uh, $20 in Bitcoin I had on the site, bought a piece Used that piece to order a mega bus ticket. Went to L.A. Twenty dollars in my pocket, and never looked back. Wow, 
So what does that look like? You move down to the beach and and work with is that because like, I associate Young Pinch with yeah. like the beach. So he was at the beach. He was still in Huntington Beach yeah, at the Huntington, time. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. I wasn't living with Pinch. I, or I wasn't living with Sam. I was living in Sam's studio. Oh, okay. In North Hollywood. In North Hollywood. I still record there to this day. It mean a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, I was living in the studio on the couch. Wow. Taking a shower at the twenty four hour fitness. I had cousins and family who was out here mind you i'm still mr bitches yeah. so i'm just like pulling up to my host house fucking them down as, as to the bet i'm talking about star-studded dick performance for me because you need because a place I, to need to, I need to live here yeah I, I get it you know i'm i'm doing shit i ain't never did before right, like right. porn star yeah when you're broke you'll go the hardest because you what? need some place to fucking shower in the morning yeah i'd be like oh i'm so tired whole time i'm homeless yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right i got i get it yeah. yeah so i was doing that i i always say any nigga who got any type of instagram clout you need to get in line with the youtube fitness hoes because they would come pull up in meal prep with meal preps for my week. And that's how I'd be eating hella good. Damn, just just like Tupperwares full of like yeah, chicken and rice and shit. Yeah, just put that in the fridge and yeah. just be off hella zucchini and brown rice <laughs> and all the healthy shit. And when I couldn't have that, it's like a Little Caesars down the street. Yeah, I'll the $5. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The hot and ready's, baby. Little hey. Caesars ain't never did a nigga wrong. Man, I still fuck with Little Caesars on some track. Hey, to this, hey, to this day. <laughs> Right. To this day, I always say walking into my house with a little Caesar's though feels like a walk of shame and shit. Cause like it, it I know does. that it looks out of it looks out of uh, my fucking sociological class at this point. Yeah. But I, there's something about it, you know. I don't I don't get little Caesar's to eat pizza. I get little Caesar's to eat little Caesar's. You yeah, know? same thing. Yeah. That's how I feel about In and Out. Yeah, like, I don't go there for good burgers. Right, because it just tastes like In and Out. Yeah, you know? I just want that. That's it. Um, so so. How long until that trajectory starts working? Like you're working 24 hours a day in the studio, probably. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're not trying to, uh, you know, get a little help from an Instagram model, per, you're at the studio recording shit. Yeah, I literally, I was in there for eight months. Wow, eight months before I even made a dollar. And my first dollar was just an advance I got from signing to my manager from us because he was on tour he was on the road with pinch Mm -hmm. and we had like a cool like year-long plan of all this development but i'm working at light speeds and um i ended up going viral Mm -hmm. so everything that we fucking planned just went out the window because now you got to keep up with the virality yeah because something hit yeah um what was it that hit it was i i Talk shit on my birthday about uh-huh. how much I love, which is coming up. It's uh, in like eight days, nine days. You cancer? No, I'm a Leo. Oh, Leo, right after cancer. Mm-hmm. I just had my birthday last week. Oh man, yeah. happy belated. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so it catches on, goes viral, and, and how do you guys play catch up to keep that going? Man, I just really started releasing music. It was just, he just pressed the button. Yeah, faster than than he wanted to press it. Started walking me around and sending my name out and getting me out there and doing like the manager thing. Yeah, it's a manager's all network. Yep, I didn't understand it at all, and my brothers still didn't till like recently. Like, why do you need him? You've been doing this. You've been creative. You've been because he got the network. Yeah, and it just so happens that my manager happens to be like. A creative genius, like the same way we think. I think about music and art and rollouts and shit. That's how you think about the business side mm-hmm. and the bigger picture of this mm-hmm. shit. It's, it's definitely some business genius, mm-hmm. and that's who I wanted to be aligned with. And as soon as he started doing that, um, he had advanced me some money. I got a little apartment in North Hollywood, moved in with my cousin, 
Christian who moved out here, the one I was telling you about earlier mm-hmm. from San Jose, mm-hmm. he moved out here and he was doing fashion and um he was gonna be my stylist and had he wants to start a brand and graph he's just, you know, general like creative director yeah. type. Yeah. Um and family. Exactly. So it just feels just good to have him around too. Period. Because yeah. he literally like one of my best friends. Yeah. Ever. Right. So um it it, it was great to live to live there and I would Soon as my advance ran out, I never blew it either. Soon as my advance ran out, um, I sh- I had got enough traction from like the stuff that I would do on the internet that I was just I'd literally be like, "Hey, I'm doing skits today." Yeah. Send me the uh, send me fit send me fifty dollars or a hundred dollars on on Cash App and I'll make my rent. Yeah. Wow. That day. Right. It was crazy. Yeah. I just, really tried not to abuse just, it. Just hustling humor. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's what I do until, like, I started doing that with verses, and that's how I was paying my rent later. Yeah. Well, so now this brings us all the way back to the beginning of, of our conversation where I was saying, like, you know, you just seem like the dude that knows everybody. And to an extent, yeah, like when you said the trendsetter where it's like people in the know bite off of you. Like, you're the guy behind the guy kind of in a sense. But when does that start? Like, how long until you start hustling the music shit to where— you become everybody's best friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like being a Guapdad 4000 friend is like a status symbol now. You feel me? Yeah, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? And so when does that start? And, and maybe, I don't know, who who's like... Man, that shit started as soon as I touched dirt in L.A. As soon really? as I touched the soil, everybody attached to the field knew that it was a special crop <laughs> growing amongst them. Yes. So, uh, of course, they wanted to come and see how I was able to maneuver through all the, all the previously established yeah. trees and the roots right. in, in, uh, in said field and how I was able to get and absorb my nutrients being like the weird plant that I was. Uh, you know what I'm saying? This extended metaphor, fire. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, um, it, that, that's what it was. it was. It was managers coming around to, like, see... Uh, Sam's crop, yeah, and then it was me mingling with with just other people growing them, yeah, growing themselves. Is Buddy one of the first people that you link up with? Or? He is. He is the first the in first. terms of like artists. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you guys if, seem like you have a similar mentality or or personality. In man, this is, I Buddy never met dude, me. but he seems funny as hell. Buddy is me, nigga, yeah. but from Compton. Yeah, yeah. Buddy is me, but from Compton, like um. He was the first person to ever take a chance. You guys were just kidding. On me and put me on their project. Yeah. Like people from the Bay hadn't even did that yet. Yeah. And I came and I rapped something. Cause we met we met off at so Pinch was performing at a festival called Day and Night. Yep. Um, this is where we're growing to Day in Vegas. Yeah. So it was day and night and we was at the Queen Mary or whatever the fuck yeah, the boat name Beach, is. Yeah. And uh it was just crazy festival. This is my first time. I'm backstage and I'm finessing. Yeah. I'm finessing. So uh, I had my barber pull up. He cut my hair. He bring the Gucci cape out. I'm talking to the bitches walking past backstage like, yeah, no, what's up? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I mind you, I'm in pinch tent. It's all his bottles and his yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Um, and then the cart dude drive comes with the alcohol. And he like, did you, did they give you the Hennessy? Because he can't look behind me because I got this big barber cape on and all this shit. And I'm like, nah, we didn't get in. It's my birthday. Uh-huh. Like, I seen I seen y'all got leaders. Can I get a leader? And he was like, it's a leader on this cart. Supposed to go to somebody else. I think I want to go get my charger from the back. And he looked at me and I was like, he giving me this leader. Yeah. Bet. 
soon as he walked off, I grabbed that leader and I grabbed a fifth. Yeah. And he came back and he seen the fifth was gone too. And he was like, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it wasn't even actually my birthday at right, all. Right, right. But I would come to find out. I see uh, this dude named Zini and uh, Chuck English yeah. walking. So it was Zini, Chuck English, and behind him was this loud dude. He had on these uh, boxer shorts. Yeah. And his dark skinned dude. And I'm like, hey, nigga, I seen you going viral. You was like crip walking in, in somewhere yeah, in the Vatican or yeah, some shit, like, like at some, a church, or, yeah, some yeah. crazy mosque or something. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, I seen you go by. It was your birthday. You catch all the Hennessy, drink the, uh, yeah. uh, catch all the Pokemon, drink all the Hennessy, and we just had this thing. And I'm like, hey, I lied and said it was my birthday, and I got hella Hennessy. Look, you want some? Yeah. And he was like, bro, it's my actual birthday. No, I have hella Hennessy. Yeah, and it's... we chugged on the spot. <laughs> And we've been bros at first bottle. Bro, damn, that's like some real bros at first sight shit. Yeah, no, wow. literally. I've yeah. been friends with this nigga ever since. That's amazing. I met most of all his family. I know all his sisters. Yeah. His dad, his mom, and he's met all of mine. He, yeah. been, he even, which I think is tight, got to see the house in West Oakland before we lost it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. so he just seen my grandma. He saw the roots. The yeah. yeah, like yeah. he been there, and I think that's hella tight. Yeah, that is dope. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk a little bit about what you have been doing recently because it's, it's been fire, obviously. The Rona Rap series has really um, taken off and, and become something that everybody is talking about in the industry, like very creative. Yeah. And you got a wide variety of people mm-hmm. on that motherfucker like you even got friend of the show Merce on there who yeah. I wouldn't even think you would know about yeah yeah I mean I'm I'm Merce is is not not too far off from like just the Bay Area backpack rap scene you yeah know what of I'm course saying? so legends all that so like it, it's only right that yeah. I, I thought of him um because I always fucked with him and I actually learned about him through my cousin's dad, Christian's dad, um, yeah. Johnny Granado, OG Uncle Johnny, he used to play that type of shit around us, like merge Dead Prez, Dead Prez, shit yeah. like that. Um, so I, I really try with Rona Raps to just invite whoever, yeah. and I literally talk to him before, like we text beforehand or DM beforehand, and like just do whatever you want, man. Like we all board in the house, yeah. and like we really, really want to rap. Yeah. And I've always wanted to rap over all of these beats, and we ain't never going to get them cleared. Right. You're just, like, curating your own little personal mixtape, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I hate doing covers. Like, now I call them covers, where you just rap over other niggas' beats, like, old mixtapes would yeah. be, like, old Wayne shit. Right. I don't do that. Right. So this was my chance to do that in a fun way that's real lackadaisical, real, real like, no pressure. Yeah. So I, that's why I feel like I got people like Wiz and Lil Yachty and Chris Brown yeah, I even got Bryson Tiller to do it. Right. Yeah, just the everybody. You got everybody. You really have, like, the Rolodex yeah. it, like, oh, a trust. lot right now. Yeah. People fuck with me. Yeah. And they know, like, well, I'm all, I'm actually friends with damn near everybody that was on, on the show. There's some people that I met through Rona Raps, yeah. like Merz, is when we first had our con- first conversation about it and texting and talking and getting that ready. Um Coded a friend yeah. was another person who I, I became acquainted with because of Rona Raps, and he's super dope. I've then after that downloaded his shit, checked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, currency, we really locked in. Like we even did a song before. Currency's amazing. But we locked in. Like that's yeah. that's big, bro. Now, like yeah. he's helping me look for a car. 
I mean, that's the perfect person to help you get a car. But that Trust. motherfucker, what, he got like 30-something cars? Man, he, he know man. what the fuck going I on. I just read, yeah, I read some amazing Twitter thread about, like, currency is the ideal model um, to monetize your lifestyle. Because everything, he turned every hobby that he has, every passion that he has, into something that he can monetize. Mm-hmm. And so now he just gets to, like, do everything he loves and make money while he's doing it. Make, buy, sell, build, cars, that's trade. That's it. Model Shoes. cars, you got a model car shop. Yeah, bro, he fucking got yeah. his own babe collab that yeah. sold out in thirty yeah. seconds. Amazing. He's been a sneakerhead. N- have you ever seen the old Master P commercial he did when Master P uh, released the shoe? No. Yeah, there's a commercial on YouTube where Master P put a shoe out when he was trying to get in the NBA, and Currency's doing the rap for it yeah. while, while while Percy shoots around. That is. It's fire. iconic. It is. It is. <laughs> it, 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 it is. I need to see this. So just put out a song a couple days ago. Yes. No. You don't even. You don't even know at this point. Huh? I'm you're, like, what, you're so busy. You probably ago. don't even know your release schedule, huh? Man, I, I'm trying to keep on top of it because I got to do like Rona raps to coincide with it. It's just super hard. Yeah. To like to delegate that shit. Like Rona raps right now is probably the. It, it became the the easiest thing to organize. Yeah. To like the most difficult. Yeah. Cause because now you got everybody hitting you for it. And and not even like everybody who was hitting me for it is now back into the world. Like niggas was hitting me for it when the world was closed. Right. The world is now open in the process of closing again. At least where we at. Yeah. And then some of those dudes aren't here so the people are here scrambling and they're trying to finish up sessions and finish up albums and like unpause their rollouts yeah. or repause it because they already unpaused it mm-hmm. and then some niggas left and escaped to Texas, Atlanta, Miami places where things are open up and shit where they're spiking again anyway. exactly and some of them even got sick you know right. what I'm saying oh, so yeah. it's like it's been the craziest thing to do when we all was just in LA at our own houses like Hey, you want to do running raps? Of course. Yeah. All right, here's it. Now it's it's hell or more. Like people still want to do it, and there's an audience, and we get, there's a whole fans. Yeah. For it, but like it's hella hard to right. orchestrate right now. Uh, I got Isaiah Rashad to do it though. I he don't do that. nothing. Yeah, I know he's he stays quiet. He huh? don't do Nathan. That's one of my dogs. Like I talk to Zay pretty fucking frequently he protects that energy mm-hmm. yeah and like he held me down we was we would have really had to box yeah if he would have flaked on me <laughs> felt like he almost was finna flake but that's my dog and he pulled through yeah and he, it was fire like people keep how do those are you guys doing up. those on zoom meetings or you just do you just have them send in a video and then somebody edits it in together yeah, yeah my, okay. my, my guy paul yeah paul Leon just edits everything yeah he, and that, there you go Rona okay. raps It's it a simple formula It is It's just getting a little bit more difficult to execute But uh, I'm working through hopefully, it Hopefully I'm saying hopefully Rona raps only has to be temporary you know, yeah. you know the best news would be If you don't have to do Rona raps anymore Realistically yeah. You know yeah. what I mean Because your, your career is going to flourish regardless Yeah We just got to get rid of this motherfucking coronavirus Man and I, I the thing about it though is I'm no longer as of like literally two days ago yeah. I'm no longer w- waiting for I already wasn't waiting uh, work wise for in terms of work ethic wise for yeah. the world to unpause right but this shit finna be fucked up to at least 2022 just in terms of like touring agreed and shit like that so agreed. my main focus is adapting yeah it, how it, can you make the money around it yeah, without exactly. the, without the traditional means of getting the money i.e. touring exactly yeah. because it's like it ain't no it ain't no waiting in this shit no 
literally talking to my manager. We got like 18 months yeah. until like a nigga could be back in a traditional even we even think the, the, the release cycle of like yeah. oh put an album out tour it make the money come yeah. back make another album merch and yeah. all of that yeah, shit merch. all that shit is fucked so I gotta figure out how to be successful right and no, cause nobody's yeah. buying merch right now either cause like why do I need a new sweatshirt I can't leave the crib man lucky by the grace of God I've been able to sell merch and it's so crazy because I never have been able to really my these last three years me and me being popping for these last two yeah Last year especially, like my biggest year, bro, I couldn't sell no merch outside of shows. Really? Mm-mm, nowhere. Because huh. I'm a scammer. <laughs> but so, I released enough music from then until now and enough music videos and been consistent enough to where I just got fans. Yeah. And they're supporting. Yeah. So now I'm in the situation where I'd be like, all right, we can make more merch drops. Because I'm being hands-on. My, my merch is called Scam Boy. Yeah. And I'm going to develop it into a, eventually into a lifestyle brand. Hell yeah. So I, I'm happy to be able to press go on that. Yeah. And that definitely took a, some weight off my shoulder just in terms of like financial independence in the game. Because that was like number three on the pie chart of some, uh, that I never had access to until the fucking this COVID shit. Right. I think the good news for you, though, too, is that you're going to be able to do a lot of, like, brand collabs because, yeah. you know, you're you're a easy-to-work-with, charming salesman, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, people are always going to be hitting you up for, like, hey, come do this commercial for mm-hmm. us, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I need more commercials if you listen to this podcast. Yeah. What was it, the Foot Locker one you did? The Foot Action. Or Foot Action. Yeah. Oh, those are fire. One of the best checks of my life. I'm sure. Hey. <laughs> and it was probably one of the shortest work days, too, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was it a... Was, uh, a three-day situation. Yeah. And on the third day, it was like a whole performance and every Like, this oh, is the okay. greatest, the cleanest shit ever. Yeah, I yeah. loved working with uh, Foot Action via Team Epiphany. Yeah. Was the creative uh, direction uh, and production company behind it. I loved yeah. them. They type. I mean, look, capitalism is evil, but yes, those corporation tra- checks, boy, they hit. And they yeah, hit different. Nah, I mean, this it's been a crazy... Uh, run for me in this in this like pandemic with with all this like social justice things that I've been kind of dibbling and dabbling into. Yeah. Um, cause I'm not trying to be nobody's Malcolm X. I don't even want right. to be. It's not everyone's role to be. You know. You know. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely malinformed when it comes to like the deeper rooted behind that shit. Yeah. I just always been a nigga that's ready to riot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a rioter, mm-hmm. and I. I'm advocate for the rioting. There's also stupid places to loot, mm-hmm. and people know the stupid places. But when looting happens, and even one good place gets hit, it make all the difference mm-hmm. because that one good place could own the most money on the block, mm-hmm. and they got say so. Right, and you know the the I've been talking about this for months now, but the the way that looting is looked upon so negatively of oh this isn't peaceful processing. Motherfuckers lose context about the stores that are getting looted and what they mean to the neighborhood that they are in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like that, uh, speci- specifically that one target that was really getting scapegoated, that was looked at as a very evil target in that neighborhood. Yeah. You feel me? And, and and in L.A., they did a good job of keeping all the protests in the rich neighborhoods, keeping all the yeah. looting in the rich neighborhoods. So it wasn't no black-owned businesses being destroyed like they try to paint it in the media. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Either way, with, with, that, with that being said— yeah. It's been hard for me to, um, not really hard, 
It's not been. It hasn't been difficult, but it's just. It's been requiring a lot of uh, meditation and, and trying to center myself with how far down the rabbit hole I go because I I ended up like buying a, a ebook to talk about like uh, black Marxism in America yeah. and different schools of thought and like socio economic relationships to to try to build and develop mm-hmm. within the, the, our community and I'm like. This ain't my job. Mm-hmm. It's cool for me to read about it, so now I can kind of know what I'm talking about, and I can be informed about um, just what this shit is. Right. But like, I just hit a certain extent to where it's like, nah, I'm gonna keep donating. I'm gonna keep doing charity. That's I'm gonna keep speaking out. I'm gonna keep uh, creating awareness. Yeah. But I know my place in this role, in this army, in this militia uh, against social injustice is not that. Of a general, right? I'm cool with being a face. I'm cool with being a spokesperson. I'm even cool with being a foot soldier to keep it a honey. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm not I'm not actually I, even if I could be a general, I'd be in the field. But like, I'm not the Martin Luther King after this shit. Like, I'm not the who who we then the people elect as right, the president in this failed police state and we didn't overturn. Of you know course, what I'm but I would say I would I would counter that by saying the fact that you uh, are self aware enough to know that and that you are clearly having open ears with everything and even doing as much work as buying a book on black Marxism is a step farther than many people will go. Yeah. So I mean, like you're still playing your role as best as you possibly can, and that yeah. and that's admirable and it's admirable to be that self aware. You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, not not everybody. That's not everyone's role. Everyone's yeah. role is not to lead the revolution. But it, it, but if you're smart enough to to get behind the revolution, then that's 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 what it needs to be. You know? Yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm at with yeah. it. Yeah. So that's also been something that has been, you know, in and out of the music, in and yeah. out of like the process. Yeah. You could hear you processing things on Home of the Brave. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said, I could do this all day. <laughs> and if you ever want to come sit down again, please feel free. Yeah. That being said, everybody knows where to find you online. But I always just tell people. Where can people find you online? Yes. If you are listening to the voice of this uh, drastically handsome human being. Wow. You got to realize that uh, that sound resonating from the vocal cords attached to it happens to also be additionally attached to Guapdad 4000. You have the utmost splendor in your heart as I uh, provide you with these (laughs) affirmations. On why you are experience are experiencing such illusions of grandeur when I talk, and that's because it makes you want to go follow me, doesn't it? That's what you're gonna do. You're about to pick up your phone and type in G U A P D A D four thousand on every social media platform and otherwise. That's my Gmail. Send me beats, um, ladies. Feel free to send whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> You can also find me on Pornhub if you search my name. So enjoy that splendor. Enjoy that extra release of um, of chemicals in your brain that let your body know that this is pleasurable. Serotonin overloads. Mm-hmm. Man, I just picked up my phone and followed him on everything <laughs> just from that pitch. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. My name will not come up on Pornhub. You can follow us as a unit at Kind of Neat. Go hit that Instagram. I'm trying to build that following because apparently 
I've been slacking on that shit. And so it's, it's looking bad. YouTube.com <laughs> slash kind of neat where you're going to see Guap Dad perform. And uh, with that being said, man, this is Guap Dad 4000. My name is Lee, and this was most definitely kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs>